When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lafondra looking to get caught side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three points Reading. Hello and welcome to another Elm Park Royal preview podcast. Um, after the departure of Matt Joy, we're now joined by the magnificent Jonathan Lowe. How are you doing, Jonathan? Good, thank you very much. That's a, that's a great build-up. Uh, I hope to meet your expectations over the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Yeah, I mean, there, there was only one man after after MJ uh, sadly left us to go into teaching. I mean, who, who would want to do that? Um, how, how are you? How, how's, uh, how have you been finding the season so far? Uh, yeah, like uh, I think, like a, like everyone really, it's all it was all pretty dim and gloomy after the first uh, what was it five six matches or so, and then they obviously turned the corner. Things things are looking uh, very bright, and um, you know results and performances have picked up. Uh, I think there's still probably a uh, a long way to go. Obviously, we know that a lot lot of players are out through injury, um, but uh, you know, just to say generally things things are looking up and. Uh, unfortunately, you're going to get results like uh, the one against Blackpool. Um, that was obviously due to a, a variety of reasons, um, but uh, you know it's, it's far from uh, far from a disastrous um, uh, display, uh, and it's far from disastrous in terms of the league position as well. They're still very close to the playoffs, uh, for what it's worth at this time of the season. So. Um, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a, an up and down uh, few months, uh, as it always is. Yeah, following Reading, I think. Yeah, a bit disappointing not to move into playoff places, but obviously with the upcoming points deduction, getting getting anywhere near there would be uh, a bit of a surprise. As you said, they they played pretty well in the first half. I thought um, no no issues. Well, some issues maybe that were papered over a little bit by Blackpool not being able to finish on the counter, but on the whole, it was a really encouraging first forty five. Yes, I, I totally agree. Um, I think uh, even though I think s- especially down down the flanks, uh, I think uh, Andy Yedom and, and Barbara Rahman will be uh, having a good look at their performance certainly in the first 45 minutes. Um, and were it not for some sort of finishing from Blackpool, it could have feasibly have been uh, to all uh, at the break. But fair play to Reading, they take the chances. Uh, a nice uh, opening goal, a nice free kick. Nice to see them score from a free kick. Nice to see the central defenders uh, get on the score sheet. Uh, and the second goal was a uh, good work from uh, George Puskas and um, a nice finish from Delhi Bashiri. So at that point, at that point, you thought twenty minutes in, um, it would be a, a pretty straightforward evening for Reading. But unfortunately, they um, they just let it all slip in the second half. Yeah, I mean, even even with those two goals, it is amazing that every like Reading's clinicality is that a word? I'm not sure, but. Um, it was the same thing at the beginning of last season. It seems to now be coming back after a bit of a dodgy period at the back end of last year and the start of this season. Um, do you think that, what, while obviously it's a positive to score with most shots, it, is it a really sustainable way of playing? Um, probably not, no, um, because you're always going to have uh, off days and players are not always going to be performing at their peak uh, week in, week out when you've got such a stretched squad 
such as Reading's, um, they've got a they've got a very uh, limited pool of players to rely on. And uh, say over the last sort of month or so, um, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily everyone's played at their potential uh, and is sort of giving ten out of ten performances every week. But they they have been certainly doing enough, sort of seven eight. Um, out of 10 every week um of course you've got, you've got george puskas who hasn't scored uh, uh any goal this uh so far this season um but uh you've got a team in in the top uh, 10 of the divisions so they must be doing something right so um no i don't think it's sustainable um and i think uh you know performances like uh last night would have uh, been coming and just a, a result of uh you know the, the lack of numbers the injuries um a bit about the tactics as well and uh yeah you, you're just not going to get a, a high level uh well certainly um a lot a string of positive results um playing with such a such a small squad uh with um sort of lim- limited capabilities the other thing about last night is it almost felt like reading in a microcosm so as, as we say they took their first two chances played very well first 45 um, got a bit lucky here and there. And then in the second 45, I think we've seen this display quite a few times where Reading sort of decide to sit back a little bit more and, and try and shut the game down. And at 2-0, that's a perfectly understandable thing to do. Um, but it it just it felt like the pressure just built and built. And I, I don't want to say it was inevitable because Reading have ridden out those games like at Fulham and whatnot before, but Blackpool just found another level that maybe like a team like Fulham, even though they have it, they they didn't manage to against us. Mm. Yeah, I think I think the key word there is a team. Really, um, they all work together. They all, um, you know, stuck to their game plan, and they they knew that uh, uh, the game was probably there for the taking, and it was, and they took it. And fair play to them. I think Reading, the, again, we've 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 seen it over the years. We've seen it over the the, the you know the past few seasons. Um, whether they can put in performance after performance, you know, ninety-minute performances, um, they're, they're just unable to do. We've we've, we've seen um, flashes of of uh, their brilliance uh, in games, whether it's for an hour, whether it's for forty-five minutes, uh, and when they do play that like, like that, then they're one of the best sides in the division, and uh, some of the stats back that up. But unfortunately, they are uh, they tend to struggle to to produce ninety-minute performances uh, week after week. Um, or at least performances uh, enough to to grind out wins, which um, you know you look at uh, the game going into last night, you would have thought at home to Blackpool. Um, I know I'm, I'm probably falling into the cliche, but uh, you know it's, it's it's a game that they should be getting at least one point out of. I think to be perfectly honest, uh, especially given the run and Blackpool start of the season, uh, it was solid if if not unspectacular. Um, uh, and we're left with uh, reeling after a three-two uh, defeat um, and a, a really sloppy second-half performance. So, um, unfortunately, I think, uh, say, uh, a variety of reasons for for the performance last night, but uh, uh, it's one that they've they've really got to pick themselves up from and, and show that they can uh, react in a positive fashion on uh, on the weekend. Yeah, and uh, well, Pauno after the game was saying. Oh, I've forgotten everything he was saying. What was Pano saying after the game? Was well, he, he saying said, anything particularly interesting? Uh, well, he said, uh, I mean, he said it was a failure from his team in the second half. Uh, and he said that it is, he he kind of, he didn't, he didn't take responsibility. I mean, he, he took responsibility in terms of, you know, it was, it was everyone and it was, um, um, uh, it was everyone's, you know, collectively, it was their responsibility, including himself. 
uh, for the performance. And uh, you know, he's he's you know he, he said that there is enough quality in the side to to um, bounce back and uh, perform strongly um, over the next few games or so. So um, and he also praised Blackboy. He said that what a good team they were. Uh, you know, a really good collective outfit. And um, again, I think you know, arguably, probably deserved three points. So um, yeah, I mean, he, to be fair, he, he put his hands up. Um, you know, it's not the first time that Reading have, have let slip a lead. I think uh, QPR game. I think they were three three one up, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, conceded two late goals in, uh, to make it three all. So uh, unfortunately, it's uh, history kind of repeated itself a bit. Um, but hopefully, they can they can learn from it and. Um, you know, get some players back in the next few weeks and and uh, show that, that it's a one-off. Um, you know, we, we all know the qualities there. Uh, so it's just sort of doing the the hard work, I guess, to, doing the um, the, the nitty, nitty-gritty uh, which you need to do in the championship uh, week in week out to to ensure that you're sort of fighting in the, in the right half of the table. Well, yeah, let's just hope that um, Luke Southwood shows a bit more restraint to those inanimate objects than Raphael did because otherwise we might be in a bit more trouble uh, I thought he played really well last night to be fair like um there were it's so it's such a strange um thing when when you have a game like that and it is the sorry if you can hear my dog in the background he is unbelievably loud um right. but yeah very stereotypical game of two halves where in the first half I, I saw so many positive takes like Liam Moore was doing really well um who else? Uh, well, Liam Moore, Luke Southwood obviously made that brilliant double save. Um, even like George Puskas got, you know, worked really hard for the goal. Yeah. And and it just kind of completely flipped on its head. And like, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Reading did play well in that first 45, even if they kind of capitulated in the second. Um, George Puskas is a really interesting case, actually. Um, I know everyone talks about him all the time, and I am sorry. Um, but every week it feels like it's... Like people go into the game expecting it to be his last chance, and he did miss that chance at two 0 to to really put the game to bed. Um, do, are we still expecting him to start? Like a lot of people weren't expecting him to even start this game. I think I think so. Yeah, I think just because he is uh, an out and out striker, I think um, Panovic is just, just going to persevere with him. Um, Clearly, if he's going to be on the bench and he's not going to score goals, then he's not going to get his confidence up. So, um, uh, I think obviously with with Yaku Mate and Lucas Shelby being out long term, um, he is the only option. Um, just because he hasn't scored goals, um, you know, there's there's obviously everyone's got their thinking whether he should or shouldn't start. Um, I've unfortunately kind of given up on him. Um, I, I just don't think he's going to. Be good enough for Reading, and he's not going to score the goals. However, would I play Jamari Clark or Femi Aziz or anyone else ahead of him uh, up front? Um, I don't really know, uh, to be honest. Um, I just, so I don't really know what the answer is. Um, he just needs something to to go in uh, off his backside, off the back of his head, whatever. Um, and and hopefully that that would give him a bit of confidence. I think certainly in the first half last night he. He, he, he um, put in a shift. Uh, he obviously pressed well for that first goal, forced the defender into mistake and, and helped us. Sorry, set up the second goal. Um, uh, and he looked quite lively. But uh, in terms of you know holding the ball up, linking up play, um, his finishing just wasn't there. Uh, and obviously it summed up in the in the second half. And unfortunately, as a lot of players do that, they when they get through on goal, they just slam it straight into the keeper. And it's one of my pet hates from footballers. Um, I, you know, just 
anything uh, aside of the keeper, uh, chip him something, just not straight at the keeper because the keeper's right there and he's not going to, he's very rarely going to open his legs up. So, um, yeah, that was hugely frustrating. And obviously, he's bought off again on the hour mark, um, just as he seems to be seemingly every game, um, which clearly I don't think, you know, that's probably not going to do his confidence uh, any good either. And, um, I mean, Jamara Clark didn't get much of an opportunity um, for me as he looked to, you know, made a few bright runs. But by then, I think the, the game was done. So, um, in terms of Saturday, I probably expect George Puskas to start. Um, and, and we all just have to cross our fingers that somehow uh, he might get a bit lucky in front of goal and, and uh, break his goal-scoring duck. Yeah, I mean, as I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, to put everything on George Puskas, I think, is a bit harsh because, obviously... The, the the chance that he had, the one-on-one was really the one chance he had all game. And I don't really remember him having many clear-cut chances this season, to be honest. Um, and you, you have to, it feels like he might, it, to get the best out of him, you need to play the ball to his runs, which we're not doing and all of that kind of stuff. But let's not rehash old arguments because we'll be here all day. Um I, yeah, I mean, I, I am in agreement. You kind of need him to score at some point. It, it does need to happen. And f- fingers crossed on Saturday, uh, we'll finally see that. Um, are we expecting any of the kind of injured players to be back in contention? Um, uh, I mean, I'd name them, but there's so many that, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, obviously, Tom Tom Holmes came back into the fold um, last, uh, last night. So that, that was good to, to see him back in another option in defence. But um, I don't think that there will be to any of the players back um to be honest i think uh next one back i think is possibly mcintyre tom mcintyre um but i think he had like a, a triple break in his foot i think i think i think he had that so um I, you know that would obviously take a while to to recover from so um no not expecting any, any of the uh, injured players back any any time soon or certainly not for, for saturday um but then again panovich might spring a surprise and, and bring someone back like he did Tom Holmes last night. So, um, but uh, no, I don't want to get people's hopes up. And I guess like we're going to a Blackburn team who have their own kind of Jekyll and Hyde performances. So they've not won in four games now. Um, They obviously have the magnificent Ben Burton Diaz who, you know, just... Just love everything about him. To be to be perfectly honest, like the, the way that he's completely changed player after after playing for Chile is quite quite a thing to behold. And uh, I think I said this in the season preview podcast. But if you haven't seen his Pepsi advert, go watch his Pepsi advert. It is amazing. Um, so yeah, they lost one nil to QPR last night with with their own late goal. Um, it, it is it's a winnable game, or at least a game that Reading should feel like they could take something out of, right? I think so, yeah. Um, obviously, they a brilliant performance there last season. Uh, 4-2 win. That was arguably the, the, the best performance of the season. So, uh, if they can rekindle some of that, then uh, they should come away with all three three points. Um, like you said, I think Blackburn are, is, tend to be very hot and cold. Um, when they are on, on form, they're, they're, very, uh, they're a very tough nut to crack. Um, but at the same time, um, they, they're very capable of just putting it in a very average performance. So, I think, um, yeah, as ever, it's down to uh, Reading keeping uh, things tight at the back, do, doing the basics well, and uh, probably hitting uh, um, Blackburn on on the counter attack. And you know, if, uh, if players like uh, you know John Swift and Ovi Jari can 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 reach their potential, then uh, then there's no reason why Reading can't get at least a point 
uh, up there. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll have the, probably the issues of uh, fatigue, like like last night, there, there might be a, an element of that. Um, let's say, just as we mentioned before about the the, the stretched squad, um, not uh, not too many options to come off the bench. Um, obviously, Femi Aziz is probably the, the, the most likely player to come into the side if uh, he does make any changes. Um, I'd say probably for Ovi Ajaro, because I don't think Ajaro has done uh, too well. Uh, we didn't do too well last night, obviously. Um, and apart from that Fulham game, uh, he hasn't really done too well this season. Uh, so maybe he needs a, just a, a bit of time out of the firing line. Um, Aziz obviously shows potential at the start of the season with the two goals in the first three games. So, um, so Reading has certainly got the players to, to hurt Birmingham. Um, it's just whether they can, I say, do the basics right and keep things tight at the back and and uh, you know really make, make most of their creativity going forward. And not to put you on the spot, but do, do you have a score prediction for Saturday? I mean, I, I sit on the fence a lot of the time with these. So if, if you don't, it's okay. Um, I mean, I, I don't right now, but I can certainly think of one. And um, I'm, to be honest, I'm probably going to sit on the fence and say one all. Um, yeah, I, I think I, you know, I, I think it will be you know, a pretty tight, typical championship game. And and um, I don't think either side will probably sure enough to 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 get three points so so yeah set firmly on the fence there yeah i mean i think uh one one's not a bad bad result i'm gonna be positive i'm gonna say reading are gonna edge it one nil i think i could even see a two nil win oh yeah let's go two nil let's let's say i think i think we'll definitely be focusing well i mean not that there's much time to focus when you play midweek and, and saturday but I imagine Velko will be looking to make that defence a bit more solid. So let's say a clean sheet. It'll be yeah. everything will be fine, right, John? Everything. Of course, yeah. But keep the keep the faith. Back the boys. And what <laughs> make some noise. Fun. Yeah, Back. yeah. So um, yeah, well, you know, as we've seen, uh, you know, Reading are, are really capable of, of putting off some some good performances, good results. So you know, who, who, who's uh, who would say that they're going to be going to beat Fulham? Uh, you know, win a Fulham over the top of the league. So. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's good, good, good chance now. It's um, it means they don't have too much time to reflect on last night's result. They can go up to Blackburn, um, try and start afresh, and, and hopefully get on the front foot. And uh, who knows, even George Bussell might score. Yeah, I, I'll be, I'll be, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. I've had George Pushkas score first in the last two games, and I was so confident. And I'm not sure I'll be putting that bet on again on Saturday, but I'm sure uh, he'll get one. It'll be fine. Um, Thank you very much for joining us, Jonathan. Uh, hopefully, we'll be having you back a bit more regularly now. Um, after the break, we talk to Rovers Chat about Blackburn. I'm here with Ryan from the Rovers Chat podcast. Uh, how are you doing, Ryan? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Not bad at all. How about you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Um, how's Blackburn's season been so far? Yeah, uh, as with all things Rovers, uh, very up and down. So um, a surprising start to the season, um, you know, to find ourselves in the top six after, you know, six or seven games was, um, yeah, a nice surprise because most people were expecting a, a very transitionary season, you know, with losing Adam Armstrong and Harvey Elliott going back on loan to Liverpool. So no one expected to be up there. So we were kind of just enjoying the ride when we could. And obviously the man Brereton Diaz was banging in the goals and, and making headlines in Chile. So it was all a bit fun. Um, and then we got a couple of injuries, key injuries to Daryl Enehan and Ryan Niambi um, before the Huddersfield game. And the last four games, we've not won. And it's really just exposed some 
old wounds in the fan base, shall we say, about the manager and just how everyone's feeling. And um, yeah, we obviously lost on Tuesday night to QPR and everyone's kind of feeling in the doldrums again now. So um, yeah, a bit up and down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always the way, isn't it? Like, as long as results are going one way, it almost doesn't matter what the how well the team's playing in many respects. I, I know mm. that in our um, pre-season kind of chat that um, a few of us had, we, we were talking about Tony Mowbray and that Blackburn fans kind of, you know, there wasn't a lot of love for him, I guess, is a nice way of putting it. Um, is it, So how, how, how are fans feeling now? I mean, you've touched on it. it it's still kind of not a great relationship. Yeah. Um, I mean, towards the end of last season, particularly with the the horrendous run that we went on in the new year, um, you know, something like four wins in 20 games or something, you know, the, the majority of the fan base had made their mind up um, and everyone was kind of thinking if there's change is going to happen, you know, it needs to happen in pre-season so you give the new man a chance. That obviously didn't happen. Mowbray's contract is up at the end of this season. So you kind of just accept the fact that he's probably going to go at the end of the season. Although some people are kind of convinced that he will get a new contract given that he is good pals with the CEO. So yeah, the fan base have, have sadly kind of, well, they'd already turned against him, but the last four results have kind of reignited that fire a little bit. Um, and it's just, you know, it's things like the in-game management, some of the selections, some of the comments, it's just really grating on the fans now. And the thing that we need I think, is just closure on the situation. So is he staying or is he going? Because it's not helping anyone out. And, you know, to have a fairly decent start like we've had and have a real nice story in Brereton Diaz and still feel this way, you know, we just need to know either way, I think, um, what's happening. And there's lots of people just thinking he should go now and, and obviously we get the new man in. But And it's a real shame to say that because he did rescue the club, you know, when we got relegated into League One there was a real reconnection with the fan base and a real connection with the players again and he's got a really good young squad that clearly love the club and fight for the team and all of that stuff and it's a real shame to be talking about the manager in this way but you know he's, he's taken us as far as he can is is kind of the summary of that. Yeah I mean it's, it's weird hearing you talk about him I, I actually see a lot of parallels between him and, and our manager, Velko Paunovic, uh, in, with selections and in-game management. But I think, mm. you know, as I said, like wins cover up all, all manner of sins. And at the minute, we're on a little bit of a bounce, admittedly. Not after Blackpool. People are <laughs> questioning things again a little bit. But uh, yeah, so you mentioned that you, you've got a young squad. Um, and, and it is a really young squad in, in some respects. I mean, you, you've got like Therese Dolan, who's 19. You've got, you know, a couple of 22-year-olds or, you know, three or four 22-year-olds, 24-year-old um, in Lewis Travis picking up a lot of minutes. Um, do you think that despite that young age, um, that this team, uh, well, where where do you see this team like in in terms of a championship side? Are, are they good enough to be challenging the top six, or are they not at that stage yet? Not quite top six level yet, but um, you know we should be comfortably mid table. Um, and with some of the attacking options that we've got, you know we should be doing things like when you two nil up at home to Luton and two nil up at home to Coventry. You know we should be seeing those games out. Um, that's what we should be doing. It is a squad that will kind of get better. You know, Tyrese Dolan, as you say, is a real success story from nowhere. Signed him on a free from Preston's under-23 squad. And 
he's absolutely taken his opportunities. John Buckley this season has really emerged into an important player in the midfield. The real um, sour point for Rovers is we've got a lot of players by the end of next season and then some of them this season that are out of contract. So Joe Rothwell can start talking to clubs now. Ryan Nyambi can leave at the end of the season. Daryl Lenihan. I mean, this one makes me really sad. You know, club captain, we are at real risk of losing him if we don't offer a good contract or he signs one. You know, these are players that are coming through our academy. Um, you know, and then Thomas Kaminsky, the goalkeeper, there's there's some real red beacons going off in the squad at the moment. And in, for what Mowbray's built up and for a real... You see them kind of in the off-pitch stuff, the social media stuff, what they do on Instagram, all of that. You can see it is a close-knit squad and a tight-knit squad, and it would be great to just see them get older together and kind of, if we're smart with loan signings and things like that, just see where they can go. But, yeah, there is a fear that it's just going to start unravelling a bit. Um, but do you know what? Who knows? Two, three seasons' time, you know, if the squad is still intact and John Buckley's got three seasons under his belt and Dolan's got three seasons under his belt, Brereton's, you know, somehow stayed at us, maybe we can start thinking about top six. Yeah, I mean, Dara Lenahan, I think like a couple of years ago, his sort of personal goal difference when he was on the pitch was um, like among the best in the division. Um, yeah. And and when he wasn't playing for you, it, it wasn't going so well. Um, he, he is one of the older heads in your squad at 27, which is sort of a crazy thing to say in in and of itself. Um, I guess we should probably touch on on Ben Bereton-Diaz. Um 10 goals so far this season. Um, I mean, he it, it actually blows my mind that he is one of the players who's still 22 because with that beard and that face, I always yeah. think he's like pushing 35 or something. But <laughs> he he must be, I don't know, he's not an English player anymore. So maybe you've lost a bit of money there, but he is, um, you know, come on so much in the last kind of 12 months. It's a ridiculous story, really, because he was under a bit of pressure when we signed him from Nottingham Forest because, you know, we'd been under transfer embargo and hadn't spent significant money since Jordan Rhodes back in 2012. And this signing just came out of nowhere for seven million for a, a largely unknown 19 year old from Nottingham Forest. And, you know, it's fair to say his first couple of seasons didn't really tear up any trees for us and significant pressure from the fan base. You know, that price tag weighed heavy and. You know, some people were grossly unfair against him, you know, what they were calling him, you know, like a donkey striker and things like that. But he, he really hadn't delivered the goods. The thing where it all seemed to change was after the pandemic. And I don't know if it's because the fans weren't there or he'd kind of worked on his body or whatever during the break from football. Something just seemed to click and he had a real good end to that pandemic season, that kind of curtailed season. Then he started last season really well. Um, and was just affecting our games more and got an injury last season, which kind of just meant he tailed off. And then really this whole Chile thing has just absolutely just exploded his confidence. You know, it's clearly had a positive impact on him to have the Chilean fan base, obviously, singing his name as much as we are. And, you know, what Chile do, Rovers fans do, we're all bouncing off each other now. We're all chanting Diaz's name. And he's just gone game to game and seems to score and seems to love it and thrive on it. And, you know, to say Bradley Dacker, a massive character like Bradley Dacker is missing from the pitch at the moment, on and off the pitch, Bradley Dacker. Brereton's just really stepped into that mantle at the moment and appears to be loving it. So, yeah, just... um such a shock, a real surprise. You know, if you'd said this to someone 12 months ago that he'd score at the Copper America and 
rugby championship top goal uh, goal scorer at one point would have been like hell no. But you know the thing on price actually, um, we're hoping. Well, not hoping of course, but if he did need to be sold or it was inevitable he was going to be sold. Um, La Liga and the Spanish market is kind of what we're thinking with the whole Chile connection and things like that. That might be where clubs are willing to pay. Or a smart English club would probably just absolutely market that Chilean connection because he's a god out there. I cannot describe it. Just have a look at the Rovers' Twitter and Instagram and everything. They love him. He's an A-list celeb in Chile now. It's bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of my favourite stories of the year. And... Uh, most people's, I think. I, I've been plugging his Pepsi advert on almost every episode <laughs> just because it is it's so Why not? good. <laughs> so good. Um, so uh, let's talk about like your style of play, I guess. Um, you've you've switched to a back five in the last couple of games, whereas yeah. you were playing 4-2-3-1, um, or at least according to FB Ref. Who knows whether this is right or not? <laughs> uh, but um, what, why was that? And, and what difference does it make? Yeah, so um, first thing to say is last season we were playing more of a possession-based game um, and, you know, certainly second half of the season it wasn't getting the results. So we started this season 4-3-3 um, actually rather than the 4-2-3-1 um, and you could see the first couple of games Mowbray had clearly thought actually we need to change the style of play so it's less possession, a bit more grit, you know, with the likes of Daniel Ayala fitting in that squad, kind of led by Ayala and Lenihan from the back, a bit of championship fight. We did have a largely settled team in those first few games, which I think was contributing into the results. You know, as a midfield three of Rothwell, Travis Buckley, a front three of Dolan, Brereton and Gallagher, and then the back four of Pickering, Ayala, Lenihan and Nyambi with Kaminsky as the goalkeeper. The team was picking itself in many respects. Um, so, as I say, less possession, a bit more grit, not too many shots, not too many chances being created, but a different side to Rovers that you'd seen from the previous season. It was a willingness to kind of do the ugly stuff, get stuck in a bit, hang on a little bit, as you sometimes need to do in the championship. Then, as I say, we got the couple of injuries before the Huddersfield and Blackpool games, um, and that was that. After this international break, the last two, he's gone to wing-backs because this is the main criticism of Tony Mowbray. He respects opposition way too much. Just He does not worry about how we can impact other sides and how we can hurt them. He's always thinking about what we need to do to cancel it out. So Coventry play wing-backs, so he matched up with the wing-backs. And um, there was an injury as well, which meant he brought in Van Hecker for his, his first start of the season. So we matched up Coventry, and then he matched up QPR as well. And it's just... 4-3-3 is the formation that we should be playing because we are most dangerous when we've, we're doing the wide strikers. Gallagher and Brereton in a wide striker role in a 4-3-3 is just much better than what he's done the last couple of games. Even though we're playing wing-backs, he's still deploying them as wide strikers. So then you're thinking, well, the whole purpose of wing-backs is to hurt the opposition from wing-back down the wide. So it just kind of became a bit of a pointless exercise. And, you know, we've lost the body from midfield by doing wing-backs and wide strikers. So, a bit of an odd one. Um, I do prefer the 4-3-3. I think it suits the players better. Um, and uh, and I think we can hurt teams much more in the 4-3-3. But who knows what we'll see on, on Saturday. If Reading don't play wing-backs, we'll probably be 4-3-3. 
Yeah, I mean, we play, well, usually a flat back four. Uh, the parallels between our two teams are astounding. I mean, <laughs> Reading are as well a team that kind of need to take chances. They hold on. And our manager, he sets up to try and beat the opposition rather than to uh, maximise his own team sometimes. So, mm. which should lead, I think, to a boring nil-nil. And yet, <laughs> games between us have been pretty high scoring like the last few times. Um, what are you expecting this time out? Um, this is a pretty important result or important game for Rovers, actually, because um, we've got Derby away afterwards that we don't have the best record at Pride Park. And then we've got a pretty tough November, actually. Um, we've got Fulham, we've got Sheffield United, um, and we've got another tough game as well, which I can't remember. So November looks difficult. So this Reading game, and particularly off the back of the four results that we've just had, where the tide is just turning a little bit and, you know, the start to the season's being eroded, you know, I think this is a game that both the players and the manager are going to be eyeballing to say, look, we need to stop the rot a little bit here. So um, I ex I am expecting us to be a bit more on the front foot. Um, Mowbray got heavy criticism on Tuesday night because he set up to cancel QPR rather than try and be on the front foot. I think the fans are going to demand that we're on the front foot on Saturday. Uh, if Reading do get an early goal, I can see it getting a bit toxic, um, which is not good. Um but yeah, I, I think it's going to be a performance where Rovers will try and go for Reading a little bit um, in view of the need for a result. Well, that, um, that in some ways does suit us because I think we like to be not necessarily playing on the counter. Like we're not very good at the counter because we don't have any fast wingers or anything, but yeah. at least at least not. I don't, I don't really know the way that Reading play, to be perfectly honest. We just turn up and occasionally do something magnificent and then sit back for the next 45 minutes, which works some of the time and doesn't work other, um, as we saw on Wednesday night. Um, so do you have a score prediction as my final question? I do. Um, I do fancy us to get the win. I do. Um, it's just got the air of an important one for us. And... Um, yeah, I, I just think we are. I think the players are going to respond to that. The players aren't silly and they are active on social media. And I think they've seen the fallout from Tuesday night. And on Tuesday, he rested players like John Buckley. You know, he didn't get any minutes. Um, Gallagher um, came on for a few minutes at the end. Rothwell was a halftime substitution. So I think there's going to be... Uh, Dolan didn't play any minutes either. So I think there's going to be some fresh players available. Players that have had good starts to the season as well. So... I am fancying us to get a 2-1 win. I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, a domination from Rovers. It might be cagey at times. It might be nervy. Um, particularly if Reading go 1-0 up, that will make the atmosphere very kind of either toxic or just flat and tame. But yeah, 2-1, I'm going to say. Yeah, I think I've gone for a... Well, I think in the end, I was positive and went for a 2-0 Reading win. So uh, I'm not sure that I'm that positive hearing that you have fresh legs because that's the one thing that Reading definitely don't have with like a paper thin squad. But well, we have got an injury. Um, Harry Pickering's probably going to miss the game, and Lewis Travis went off as well. So they could be two key players missing there. Well, I don't like to sound happy about injuries, but that is probably <laughs> good news for us. Um, get well soon to the, those two um <laughs> well ryan thanks very much uh for coming and talking to us um good luck for the season but maybe not for saturday <laughs> thank you matt and uh yeah good luck to you as well <laughs>